just upskill, start using AI. If you're not using, if you're still thinking AI is not a thing and con either content can be created or marketing would be possible without using the AI tools that you're hearing all the while, and then basically don't be there, don't stay there, start using <laughs> it, get up to date with the technology. AI, a rapidly evolving field that has the potential to transform every aspect of our lives, from the way we work and communicate to the way we think about and solve problems. Join me as I chat with the founders, builders, and innovators in the industry about the latest advancements in AI and how they're changing the way we live, work, and interact with technology. My name is Kevin Rosenquist. Welcome to Zero Shot. My guest today is Sophia Solanke, the founder of Nerado, a company that has two platforms, Workspace, which provides a collaboration platform for content marketing teams, and Marketplace, a platform that matches businesses with freelance content writers. Welcome, Sophia. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, excited to have you. I'm I'm a content creator and marketer myself, so naturally I was super intrigued as I as I dug into what you're doing. You've been involved with content for a long time. Like if I read your LinkedIn right, it's even since like 2006 you've been involved with content. What what about your experiences led you to found Nerado? Yeah. Uh, so so Kevin, it's it's like my life's work. That's what I'm doing with Nerado. And, Sorry, um, Nerado. Have I been saying it wrong? It's Nerado. Okay, <laughs> cool. Like narrate. Yeah, I guess no, I should have thought of that. Narrate. Yeah. Yeah, it's a spin on narrator, the storyteller. Yeah. Okay, so, that makes sense. So we wanted to be the platform for storytellers, and marketers are storytellers as well, and uh, that's what we have. That and that's the audience that we're building for. So my story goes back, as you rightly pointed out, all the way to 2006. The first couple of years, I was a business consultant. Um, but most of my projects involved helping out digital publishing firms, financial services firms with their digital marketing initiatives. Um, a lot of it involved content, um, and that's where my journey started. And I realized very soon after my stint of working for a boutique company that I wanted to do things on my own. That's where my entrepreneurial journey started. I've managed a content marketing agency for close to about 10 years. Yeah, um, I saw I that. It was got, uh, Godot, right? Yeah. And I built another product um, in the content and social space. It was a AI content recommendations uh, app for social media, which got built out into a complete social media management platform. Um, and now, you know, I'm just pouring in all that experience into Nerado. And with Narrator, what we're really trying to do is not be a point solution, which is what most of the content marketing tools are at the moment. Uh, so you go, for example, if you want to create content with AI, you go to one tool. If you want to write, you're still going to Google Docs. Um, if you want to project manage, you pick up a generic project management tool. So what's really been happening, and it's been that we felt as an agency, um, when we were running one, we our clients feel the burnt as well that they were trying to switch between these different applications tools mm -hmm. to stitch together this process which has become extremely complex over the years yeah for sure you know there are more channels to manage there are more collaborators there are more folks who are trying to work together uh, uh, a tight well-knit story that needs to be told and uh, honestly for for me too i'm 
I'm one person and it's hard for me. So I can't even imagine like having a whole team of creators and, and marketers and just everybody who is trying to make these projects happen, trying to go through the different channels like I am. I mean, sometimes I get confused. I'm like, where is that? Did I put that in Notion? Did I put that in Airtable? Where is that? You know? So yeah, I totally, I totally relate even as a one man operation. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's happening with everyone right now, you know, because some things are not working. So people try Notion and, and I have gone through that journey of using multiple types of project management platform for our operations as well. Um, started with uh, Basecamp, Teamwork, we went to Asana, we've done a little bit of Notion Airtable. And then we figured that, look, you know, you're just trying to force fit solutions. Right. Content is mm -hmm. special. Um, we think it deserves a workspace of its own, just like software teams have GitHub. The content team should have something, and that's what we're building Narrator to be. So the idea is that you come to one platform, bring your team, you're able to ideate, plan what you're trying to do. Uh, you're able to project manage the entire thing. Use the AI content assistant uh, wherever it's required in the workflow, and then get supported through automation on publishing and a workflow. The idea is to basically cut down your time to producing a piece of content by anywhere from 30 to even 70% in some cases. Mm -hmm. So we're working with that vision and that's what we are building. Yeah, that's, that would be, no, no one would say no to that. <laughs> 30 to 70% sounds great. You, uh, we talked a little bit before you co-founded Go.media in 2010, content marketing agency. Uh, you helped build and scale a variety of products, uh, but one in 2018 stuck out to me, Wilder, a travel app that used machine learning to give a nature score for hotels based on satellite imagery, which I think is super cool. You also mentioned you founded DrumUp in 2015, which is an app that uses machine learning to curate relevant content. You weren't new to machine learning. You did your thesis on it. I think I saw on your LinkedIn as well. So at what point did you get a sense that ML would become a part of the content world? Um, it's, it's been in the conversation actually for a fairly long time before the LLMs became as powerful as it is right now, where they are really generating uh, powerful content. They are good chatbots, but it's, it's been around, I think, for close to a decade. There have been tools and research in the market where um, people have been trying to generate uh, good quality content. So the initial bits were more structured content for example things like um investor reports you know where you have you put the data in specific spots and you try to stitch that together so there have been startups and companies trying to do that but it's only very recently that we are at a point in time that you can actually do a lot more vision rate ai mm -hmm. um so we i have been interested in this space for a long time been watching uh, not everybody can train LLMs. It requires a lot of data. It requires a lot of processing power. So yeah. it, which is what has happened recently. And and with all of these models available to use either through APIs or otherwise, you know, it's it's, it's a very exciting time to be um, in the space. Yeah, no doubt. And and content marketing. You know, I mean, it's not it's not new to to people in the marketing world, but it, it's the takeover is sort of new. Like, it, I feel like traditional marketing, as we once knew it, is isn't really as relevant as it once was. And content marketing has taken over. What what do you see 
in, is the future as far as how AI is going to affect content marketing even further? Yeah, um, I think there are two things that are coming. One, I think for the last couple of years, content marketers have been focused extensively on search and SEO um, so that you can surface your content through it. Um, and there, there is an interesting tussle going in there where you're expecting search engines like Google and Bing's to basically give you answers through queries, which means that a part of those 10 blue links that you could click through and get visibility that might in the future go down a little bit, which means that content marketers should start thinking about how to distribute content and be found through other channels a lot more. So that's one aspect of it. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is how it's revolutionizing how you create content. Um, if anyone still believes that the content is not going to be, or partly not going to be created by AI, I, I, I think uh, you're not seeing the future or you're just going blindfolded and say, I don't yeah, want to see it's just covering it's your scary. eyes and hoping for the best, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, it's happening, it's going to happen. Uh, we're there, our content is getting created uh, with AI. It's not cre getting created on the whole. It's an assistive tech, and that's how I believe it should be used as well. Uh, because without human supervision, without putting it together and fact-checking, you might actually end up producing a piece of content which might be inaccurate, which is happening all the time. Sure, yep. So, um, the second thing is it won't be helpful till you provide that expert knowledge or insight into the content. But that assistive tech is here to stay, which means that you will be generating parts of the content using AI. You would be um, doing what you used to do in half a day and probably an hour. But 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 it's it's definitely um, a part of the story, and which is exactly what we realized with Nerito uh, towards the end of last year, middle last year, and we started building out the AI content assistant to assist our creators do their jobs uh, faster. Mm -hmm. What drew you into artificial intelligence initially? Yeah, um, like I said, you know, um, as you can see, I've been been into it. So, of course, I'm interestingly a chemical engineer, <laughs> which has nothing to do with what mm -hmm. I do right yeah. now. Um, so my master's thesis started in neural networks, and we were trying to um, model uh, a fermentation process to basically predict um, what, what would be the output given a certain input. So it, I think the, it became an area of interest there. And then uh, the consulting firm that I used to work with was a big data machine learning company as well. Uh, so a lot of ex experience, expertise uh, came in during that period as well. And then, you know, it, this, this is a field that we have been mapping and we see a lot of evolution happening. We see the magic that it can uh, perform. So, so yeah, so that's how I have been drawn into it and content's been really close to my heart, been in the space for a while. And right now um, you, you can do a lot with AI and content, which was previously unthinkable. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. It, it's, it's a, it's a great tool uh, when you learn how to use it for sure. I'm, I'm sort of obsessed with the user experience. I, I critique and analyze products constantly. I, I get all worked up when I, encounter bad UX. I, I think I joked on this podcast once before that 
that if my wife hears me complain about the ESPN app one more time, I think she might leave me. <laughs> but you, you've done a lot with UX and UI. What are, what are a couple of areas you think are, are absolutely crucial to a, a good user experience? Um, I think what's super critical for a good user experience is um, that you, your platform or tool is such that you walk into it and you immediately understand what you can do. Um, and it needs, needs not be everything, but it sh should be some things that are most important to you as a user. Um, and it's, it's something, and because with Narrator also our vision is, um, you know, a, a big one where we're trying to help you through an entire content workflow. So we often have our own struggles with it. Mm -hmm. So I think the only way to develop a good user experience is to iterate and experiment and do it over and over and over again. Um, and uh, collect as much data as you can, A-B test as much as you can, and then keep tweaking. It's, it's, it's basically, it's, it's, it's an iterative process. There is no good recipe for it that if you do it a certain way, it's always going to work. So I, I think that's what we have been practicing at Naredo as well. We are in our journey to basically be a very, very clean, very simple app. Uh, there are obviously, you know, some basics basic fundamentals that make a difference like um you know just the optimum use of colors and when you use colors they should highlight what's important for the user versus what's not and then figuring out where your features should sit they should sit in the user's workflow as again sitting uh, all over the place uh, but it's both an art and a science so it just takes its due iterative course to get it right mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it always blows my mind when you have, you know, I don't want to pick on ESPN, but that was my example. But like, I, I, it blows me away when, when big companies with, with deep pockets have what to me are poor, poor experiences. How, how does, how does that happen? Um, interestingly, it happens with very large companies more often than it happens with smaller companies or yeah. startups. And I think what happens is you don't even realize um, that, you know, a large company has a lot of products, a lot of features, and each of these micro features are being managed by large teams. And they're pushing into a product that was thought about by someone else, for instance. So when you do things piecemeal, and it, it's very difficult to have a coherent story. For example, yeah. um, LinkedIn's interesting that way, right? So LinkedIn um, is a nice interface, which is the one that the founders would have envisioned, developed, worked upon. And now if you start try to use LinkedIn Sales Navigator, you try to use LinkedIn Recruiter, for instance, and just because there's a huge community, you do not have an alternative, you use them, but it's probably not the most exciting experience that you have, hmm. which is what happens with a lot of enterprise products as well. You, you just have a lot of teams building a lot of features. Um, those priority maps are hard to um, build because there are, each team thinks what they're building is the most important. So they'll try to surface it because when you try to surface it, when you try to surface it, uh, you want to show that it's important. And um, yeah, so the, that's how it goes. It becomes basically um, you know, mishmash of a large team. Well, it's frustrating, Sophia. It's frustrating. 
<laughs> it is. Trust me. I, I've been there for that. It's a <laughs> You're like, I know, I know. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get back yeah. to, uh, to Nerado, uh, or Nerado. Sorry. I'll get that right. Eventually. Uh, talk about the workspace product a little more, uh, as far as how, you know, AI is used within the, the, the product or the platform, uh, to help content teams. So what we're doing uh, with Naredo is we're trying to place AI at the right places and right points in the workflow. For example, when you um, you know sign up for Naredo, I used you're thinking, okay, I, I need to create a bunch of content, which means that you need to generate some ideas, perhaps. So we have placed, for example, your idea generator right in that workflow. And then when you've decided this is what I'm going to be working on, you go inside that content task and you see a lot of these tools available to you on the left tab because that's your creation space. Mm -hmm. So we are integrating um, these different AI content tools, content creation, content optimization tools at the right places. Um, so for example, if you have to create a brief, um, there's a content brief tool. So that will be placed after you've decided your topic. And on your creation spaces where you have AI, con AI image generators, you have AI content creation, you have a chat GPT integration as well for more free flow um, outputs. So that's how we are uh, incorporating AI into Naredo. We are putting them at the right, um, and we are allowing our users to use them while they're managing their content creation process. Hmm. Okay. And what has the what has the response overall been as far as obviously people like it? I mean, I saw that you guys got uh, some some publicity in. Um, uh, what was it? You got named one of the top AI tools uh, in, uh, was it Inc. Incorporated? Is that it? Inc. Magazine? Yeah, recently, yes. And yeah, that was that... Uh, quite a stamp of approval. So yeah, that was congrats. Amazing. Congratulations. That's yeah. fantastic. That's that's really cool. So what 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 is it? what is it about this product that has so much value to those in content marketing? I think the biggest draw to Narrator for most, so we are actually more um the we become immediately valuable the moment you bring even one or two collaborators to the process and these collaborators does not even need to be a permanent part of your team for example given you are uh, working with say some external contributors to what you're creating and you want to structure that whole process so workspace uh, allows you to do that fairly seamlessly so you can project manage, you can use the AI tools, you can templatize the tasks so that you can capture all the inputs at the same place. It also becomes where everything sits. So that's the big draws. It's a single mm -hmm. space where you can manage, etc. Our biggest users right now are content marketing teams of um, mid to large size businesses. And for them, it's really critical that they are working with um, all the team uh, together. So they're working with freelance creators, they're working with agencies, they're working internally, and they have a workflow to map. And that they're able to do very, very easily on Naredo. They are able to set the right level of access to tools, access to tasks, which allows them to do this in a more structured fashion as, as against trying to do that with Google Docs plus say, a project management tool and then 
saying that, okay, we need to use a couple of other AI tools like Jasper uh, alongside. What we are doing is we're giving them one space where they control these things better. They have more visibility. Um, and that's what's um, been taking, uh, that's what's been working well with our, our customers. And then the, the uh, uh, marketplace uh, taking, you know, getting businesses and freelancers kind of linked up as far as what they what they're looking for and obviously these these businesses are looking for human generated content i'm guessing and not stuff used with ai uh what is is there is there an ai component to the marketplace as well so um at the moment no because we want to be very careful about messaging um so when they when when our customers go to the marketplace they're going there to get connected with creators um once they're connected with creators um how do they engage whether they use ai tools or not that's a conversation between them uh but but Essentially, the marketplace exists so that you can find the talent that you need in addition to your existing team. And it's more of a supplementary offering for us at the moment uh, than our main main tool, which is basically the workspace. But the idea here is to augment your content creation capacity by finding uh, great talent on, on the marketplace. And that's how things have been at the moment. We are though contemplating um, offering more auto GPT, auto GPT content kind of solutions there as well, wherein you give us some input and we will give you those first drafts. But we want to make this very, very clear that if you're working with a human creator, then that's, that's who you're interfacing with, working with. And if we give you AI created drafts, then those are AI created drugs so that you can look at it, review them with that information in light. Okay. Okay. And how, how do you go about finding the right match between business and creator? Yeah. So, so we're using a bunch of parameters um, and these parameters include uh, how the creator has done in the past. There is an internal review also uh, which levels them to the right level uh, of expertise. Uh, we also have uh, a categorization in terms of uh, expertise areas. So there, there are a lot of different factors, including past work, past experience, et cetera, that gets mashed up. Um, and when we collect the information from the businesses, that's the information that we collect and we try to mash them together. There's obviously an additional layer of um, that's built in, which is about availability um, and, and the project size and things like that. So, so we've built out an entire algorithm to do this matching really efficiently. Um, and uh, we have time mapped it also so that, you know, you get the fastest response. You're not setting for your project to be picked up for a really long time. Um, and once it's picked up, we also, depending on uh, the project, we try to break it in multiple pieces so that it gets done faster by multiple creators together. So we've tried to create a um, fairly automated uh, uh, marketplace there. Uh, but in addition to that, we also provide a managed service uh, uh, to teams who require larger content to be uh, larger content projects. 
to be managed and that gets taken care of by our dedicated project managers. And for any creators listening, writers, they can, they can apply to be freelancers with uh, the marketplace. Absolutely. Yeah. It's easy to find. Uh, so there's an apply link in our menu at the bottom and they can definitely sign up. Uh, we're always adding um, more and more talent to our platform. I've, I've been on, I've used Upwork and Fiverr before as a freelancer. If anyone listening is unfamiliar, they're, they're freelance websites where people looking for freelancers for writing, coding, graphic design, whatever they can get, you know, post jobs, get proposals. And, and I can attest it's a grind. I mean, getting gigs can be tough and, and time consuming. How, how does the Narado market, Narado marketplace, uh, different? Yeah. So, um, so, so Kevin, actually that's, one of the things that we had in mind when we were building, uh, we wanted it to be a place where you just come, you just say, this is what I need to get done. And once you do that, then, you know, we do the matching, we find you the right folks and it's all algorithmic and your work starts coming through in 24 to 48 hours. And that's what happens. So um, we do not cater to a lot of different content types. We stick to a four or five that we know um, are required most often by marketing teams, for example, blogs or landing pages um, and, and product descriptions, for instance. And and we have forms created where we are able to collect this information in a very structured format so that both parties are able to work together uh, uh, collaboratively and much faster. So we, we, we actually, the, the one way we differentiate from a lot of other marketplaces is we actually deliver content really, really quickly and much faster than the others. Sounds like a much more seamless process than, than some of the other ones that I've experienced. I can say that for sure. Um, given your experience with products, um, a lot of our listeners are, are engineers, are product engineers and and. Given your experience, what what do you feel is the is the number one things the number one thing that engineers need to focus on to succeed uh, as as AI changes things? So, uh, as a product uh, creator, product developer, or as an engineer, I think it's important uh, to have a vision to what you're doing, so that there should be an end goal in mind. If, for example, if you're a solo creator, it's very easy, and I've seen that very often happening with uh, my team as well, that sometimes you over-engineer things because, you know, you're trying to optimize it too much, and that takes a long time for you to put it out and see if, if there is a taker or not. So that's one trap that I often recommend not falling in. Um, and the other is not not defining your goal and the project or the product feature carefully also is another trap that you fall in because what you envisioned and what comes out is completely different sometimes. Um, so I think there, there is an entire planning process that needs to go um, in before the actual product development helps. And along the way, if you think there are some blockers, uh, sometimes just pruning some of those additional features that you had envisioned, it's perfectly okay, so that you can put an MVP out ASAP. And that's critical. And that's something that we do with our features too. So we do a product feature definition, 
uh, we set to work and if we see any blockers, anything that's going to take a little bit of time, we try not to over-engineer, we put out something, we get the user feedback and then keep improving it over a period of time. So that works out a little bit better than trying to develop a complex product, putting it out and waiting for uh, usage to flow in. Makes a lot of sense. One of the aspects of AI that has people concerned is job loss, particularly in the knowledge work sector, which of course includes content creators and marketers. I've heard some experts say it's inevitable that a large amount of people in the space will lose jobs. Others, you know, maybe few of or fewer of them seem like they're not as worried about large scale job loss. Where, where do you land on that concern? Um, there will be some job loss. I mean, it's, it's yeah. only obvious, right? And um, and it's it's something that everybody is concerned about and rightly concerned about. But what we've seen in the past, so when agriculture was getting automated with all the machines moving, in, there was job loss. And then we adapted. We, we picked up humans upskilled. They found other jobs. They started working with it. The same happened when computers were introduced. Um, now it's happening with AI. So it's just, just a matter of adapting to a new reality and there will be jobs that will be created where you're working with AI because AI is assistive tech. It's not going to be uh, something that's going to solve immediately all of your problems and somebody needs to manage it, monitor it, make sure that it's doing the right thing at the end of the day. Um, so there, there will be a lot of jobs created in these areas. So while initially you would feel like, you know, uh, I had this job which was taken away by AI, but then you'll find another one, which is to monitor that AI to make sure that it's not doing anything uh, that it shouldn't be doing. And there could be a lot of others in development and monitoring, um, in prompt engineering and tons of others like that. What, what, what do you think the best thing marketers can do to protect their careers, or in some cases, their marketing businesses? Mm, just upskill, start using AI. If you're not using, if you're still thinking AI is not a thing and con either content can be created or marketing would be possible without using the AI tools that you're hearing all the while, and then basically don't be there, don't stay there, start using <laughs> it, get up to date with the technology, um, start playing around with everything set around, just upskill. And I think that's it because uh, the thing is that I think marketers should be excited about AI coming into the best content in the marketing space because it's going to free up so much of their time so mm -hmm. that they can devote their creative energies to something that's more exciting. Very often um, a content marketer is just worried about putting together a blog post, which just consumes them so much that that you are unable to think what what is the largest strategy why should i be putting this thing together what should i do to promote it so the moment you free up that time you can actually start doing more of that and do do it more efficiently um so i think it's 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 brilliant like we've always wanted that time to free up so that we can do more exciting things it's happening right now so i think just get on the band back and that's, that's the thing to do. Don't get left behind. No, nope. mm -hmm. um, there isn't an option now. Yeah. From an ethics perspective, do you think AI is moving too quickly? 
think it is moving quite quickly. That's true, but then that's how technology revolutions are. You know, they're very hard to pace down. If they are moving very quickly in a direction, they will continue to move very quickly because a lot of energy focus attention gets poured in and there are lots of creators who are building with AI. There are people who are building AI who are excited who want to build it further and see what it can do. So pacing it down is not really an option, but at the same time, I think the need of the hour is to start having conversations about what can go wrong because of this tech. And some of those conversations are happening, happening very um, vocally. They're happening um, even at a legislative level, which is good to know because social media took its own sweet time um, uh, to catch up in terms of mm. how, how it should be regulated. But this time it seems like things are going in tandem. And ethical concerns, they, they are very relevant. Um, you know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, um, if your search engines to a large extent are going to be AI, you have to be very, very careful of the information they're disseminating to such a large set of people. Uh, any bias, any misinformation uh, could cause um, upsets in the society, which is something that needs to be actively addressed and thought about. So, so yeah, the, 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 there are risks with, associated with the technology. They need to be mitigated. Um, they need to be discussed. And But I'm sure like everything else, um, you know, you just come up to speed, you live to learn with it, and then you figure out what is the right way to handle it. So there should be some checks and balances. And of course, they are getting uh, put together. But I, I don't think there is any pacing down of where the AI tech is heading anymore. Yeah, no, it definitely seems like it's a it's a train that's not stopping anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think so. Final question. If you could travel back in time and have a conversation with your younger self, what piece of wisdom or advice would you share based on the experiences and knowledge you've gained through your, your journey in AI and entrepreneurship? Yeah, I would like to start building products sooner than I did. You know, I, I, I totally enjoy that. And I see a lot of value that um, that products put, put, put out. You know, you can, like I've run a services business for quite a bit of the time and it's very joyful to see your clients succeed with what you're doing for them. But at the end of the day, when you see a product help out a much larger number of people, there's nothing like it. So if I could go back, I would probably, um, redo some of these uh, ventures by you know, going more uh, towards technology, building products than offering services. So that's that's one thing that definitely comes to my mind. Um, and then, of course, that there will be other little things here and there. <laughs> so it's not just one thing that you tell your, your younger self. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. I think we yeah, all can relate to that. that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just that at any point in time, you look back and you, you think, you know, maybe I could have done this a certain way. This is an experience I wanted to have. But I'm guessing when you go back, even if you could, you will still probably end up doing some of the things the same way because they were sort of, probably. you know, just deterministically going from A to B anyway. But, mm -hmm. it's, That's um, a good... but it's an interesting thought. That's a good point, though. That's a good point. 
So the website is uh, narrado.io. Um, people interested in look, checking out the work, uh, the workspace can just jump on there and ask uh, for a demo, correct? Yeah, you can sign up and start using it as well. So both options. Um, if you want help from our team to walk you through what Narrator looks like, how you can use it to the most optimum, reach out to us. Otherwise, just sign up, play around with it. Um, we're trying to make it as product-led as possible. So both options, yes. Great. Well, again, that website is narrado.io. I'll have a link to that in our show notes. Uh, Sophia, thank you for being here. It was so great talking to you. Same here, Kevin. Thanks for taking the time. And thanks to everyone watching and listening. Until next time, stay curious, stay creative.